Founders, welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. Founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, Jordan and I have the privilege of welcoming one of our own Clemson Tigers to the podcast. We have Jason Walter of National Land Realty. In 2007, Walter founded Carolina Land Realty, and by 2012, Jason expanded his vision by turning Carolina Land Realty into National Land Realty with the intention of creating a land brokerage firm with a national footprint. NLR's reset research-based approach in intensive media marketing has allowed it to become the preferred land brokerage firm for agents and clients alike. Named by Inc. 5000 as one of America's fastest-growing private companies, National Land currently represents land buyers and sellers across North America. Jason, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thanks, Drew. I appreciate it. Yes, we are so pumped you're here, uh, especially as a fellow Clemson Tiger. That's a fun one for us. And before the podcast even started, we were uh, just chatting about you starting IPTE at Clemson, being a part of that founding, and how that was one of many things that you've founded in your life. And I would just love to hear a little bit of your origin story of how you got into what you're doing today um, and maybe just how that entrepreneurial spirit has, has kind of um, colored your path so far. Sure. And just to clarify, I didn't start IPTE. I started IPTE Collegiate Club. IPTE has been around since the 30s. But, yeah. but uh, I good, started the student, student division. <laughs> I'm not uh, that old. <laughs> That's awesome. No, but uh, – yeah, as I mentioned before we, we started, I've always had a business since I was, I think when I was four is when I started coloring rocks and selling them to the neighbors and had different prices for different colors. And gold rock was more than the red rock, and et cetera. And just my whole life, I've always, I always had an entrepreneurial uh, mindset. So uh, in 2007, I'd been in the development uh, side of the, of the real estate business doing site selection and realized there was a massive void in, in brokers that focused on just land. And so started the Carolina land and, um, and really all we focused on was development land uh, for the first year and a half. And then the recession hit 08 and you couldn't give, give away development land. Mm. So we, we, we found a sector um, of rural land, recreational rural hunting land, farmland, timberland. And that land, that, that sector, uh, at least the recreational rural land sector really doesn't uh, get affected as much by ups and downs. There's very little debt in that part of real estate. Only about half of our clients borrow any money at all uh, for their, their purchases. So market pulls back. It doesn't hit it as hard. Um, so we, we really aggressively went into that sector. And then as the economy picked back up, we just became more holistic and, and we focused on all types of land. Well, land's land it's dirt it's got trees or it's underwater you know there's not people talk about all types of lands really not many types of land but there's a lot of uses for land you could put Mm. uh, you know a gas station on it or you can grow trees or corn or put a high rise you know there's a lot of different uses and we don't like to get caught up in the use as much is is just everything land we cover and so um you know, we've we we started in '07, expanded in in 2011 and 12, and started started growing nationwide, and then merged with the company out of Omaha, Nebraska, uh, in in 2015, 2016, 
and that really uh, kind of put us on steroids as far as expansion. Um, Aaron Graham owned a company out there called Land Pros. We merged up, and now he's a partner uh, with myself and, and some and our other partners. And um, and so that that really kind of got us going. And now you know we, we hold real estate licenses in 38 states, but we're licensed to do business in 47. Some some parts of our business don't require real estate mm-hmm. licensing. So, so we're, and our goal has always been to be in all 48 continental states. And it, honestly, if it wasn't for COVID shutting down a lot of the licensing uh, parts of the states, uh, like we've been trying to get licensed in New York for for months and months and months, and um, they tend to not work as much up there, it seems like. But, but uh, so if it wasn't for that, we probably would be holding real estate licenses in, in most all of the continental U.S. But that in the in the intent has always been to build a national platform, brokerage platform, but that was really kind of the base of a much bigger objective, which was to really to become the land industry. And when I say that, it's like when you think of the internet, you think of Google. You Google it, it just just kind of. It's like when we were kids, you know, you want to you want something. To, do you want a Coke? Yeah, what type? I'll take a Mountain Dew. Right. You know, it's yes. just, just, it was just yeah. is what it is. And that's what we want to be for the land industry. So we have, have to have the base first, but now we're adding the supporting crew, the supporting services, the ancillary businesses. Like now we own a lending company. So now our buyers that want to buy land, we can loan them money. And then we are uh, adding a land services division where we can build roads and, and ponds and things like that, fences and entrances, whatever it may be, um, and, and so on and so forth, you know, adding those, and, and that really supports the agents and brokers and clients at the same time it expands our our grasp on the land industry. Yeah. Did you, did you always want to have this grow beyond just yourself in terms of uh, being a solo practitioner and broker uh, to – building a team, building a nationwide company, or did that evolve kind of as you got into this industry? Yeah. So, you know, we started, we were just going to be in the Carolinas, which is why we named ourselves Carolina Land Realty. Um, And then it just, being an entrepreneur, I can't stop growing or adding things. So the beauty of this business is most entrepreneurs aren't, aren't good managers. They typically don't run companies well. Um, Sometimes they have such a good idea software company or whatever they can they they can uh, overcome their short shortcomings as a manager just because it's just that profitable um mm-hmm. doesn't mean they're a well-run company so <clears throat> with with what really works well with myself and my team um my job now is to to add to find these new opportunities and, and it can be through a partnership usually it is through a partnership or it could be started on our own and then finding the best people to run it. Like my, like I mentioned earlier, my, my best friend from, from Clemson that we met our first year uh, there and we were pledging, he, he runs national land realty. Um, every day I have less and less involvement in the day to day of national land realty, but um, I always help recruit because I just love that part of it. Um, I just came back from West Virginia where we were bringing on a, a major client up there. And so, and, and then the lending business, you know, that was one that we had last year. 
you know, the land services business is one we're working on now, and probably the one I'm the most excited about is our development fund, um, where we're actually uh, we're actually raising money to uh, purchase tracts of land and uh, do what we call rural land development. There's a there's a pretty big market, and it's growing rapidly with the with COVID, um, where people want to buy 25, 30 acres of land, you know, a little bit out of town or out in the country. So we're buying bigger, say two, three, four thousand acres, and putting in the infrastructure to be able to, you know, just like a a guy would, you know, developing a track home subdivision in Greenville, South Carolina. We're doing that, but instead of putting, you know, fifty homes on fifty acres or twenty acres, we're putting five homes on hundred acres, mm, and yeah. uh, and so that's that we it it, it helps our clients that want to sell and it gives product to our buyers that want to buy. So everything we do, we're trying to be a facilitator between the, the agent, the buyer and the seller, anything we can do to make those three parties life easier. Um, at the same time, making a profit that, that that really is a win-win for everybody. Yeah. That is, uh, that's awesome. I love that you're, you're essentially just continuing to buy up the supply chain and, and, stake you you know put your stake in the ground for each spot i i wanted to lean into the partnerships thing that was something i was curious about uh ahead of time when doing the research was um just thinking about you know your philosophy around partnership how do you find good partners uh, what to to watch out for when when selecting your partners i figured you've had probably both both sides of it the the great partners and the, the ones that you thought were going to be great partners that that weren't so great um what would you what would you suggest in terms of just wisdom or are you even your own philosophy in, in selecting partners? Well, it is, I mean, it's a marriage. So you, you do, you have some, some successes and some failures, but we, we have a philosophy. We've had it for a long time. You know, we always look for situations where one plus one equals three. Now we say one plus one equals 10. And, you know, a lot of times, especially with big companies, they'll merge or buy each other out and, it, it's one plus one equals one and a half it, because mm. you've got so much bureaucracy and people, you know, people are difficult. I mean, when you, when you have a business, it, 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 you've really got to pay close attention to cultures and bringing those together. Um, no matter how good of an idea you have, it can, it can be washed away quickly if you don't, if you don't take care of your people and the culture. So, um, We've been very fortunate um, to have really good partners. I mean, of course, like anybody else, we've had a couple that didn't work out. But um, we have a lot of partners and partnerships just within the ownership structure of national land. Um, there's eight partners. And um, and then national land is partners with five or six other businesses or other people that create, you know, like our, our solar uh, division ha has is in our solar and um, another partnership that we're very proud of that we just recently launched is with a company called Landgate, which is the largest brokerage firm of mineral natural resources, but primarily oil and gas and other minerals. So now we can we can not only be the largest broker of of land, but both below and above ground. And, and that's that's exactly. Matter of fact, the, the massive opportunity, one of the biggest to date in our company history, um, was where I was. Why I was in West Virginia yesterday, and that was the catalyst for that deal was Landgate. 
it was our broker, but pitching the Landgate opportunity because the the client owned, you know, several thousand acres, thousands of acres of subsurface rights, oil and gas, wow. coal and things like that. And and they also owned several thousand acres of surface rights. So, um, but the one thing with partnerships is, you know, sometimes it's not. Sometimes the partnership doesn't work out, and it's not either party's fault. I'll give you an example. We we uh, launched a title business uh, last year uh, at the same time we did the uh, lending business. Yeah, and it it wasn't a preferable timing because we would have rather have launched one or the other, but we just happened to find a really good fit for a partner on the title company, and. Um, it it didn't work out. We, matter of fact, we just closed it down uh, in less than a year because it just wasn't. There wasn't a demand for it. It wasn't that our partner wasn't good. Or we weren't yeah. trying hard, but uh, that particular business is very well served at the local level with locals attorney, local attorneys and title companies. And even though conceptually it made sense, there's a lot of nuances with local land that you just can't unless you're there. It's hard to really. Yeah. Uh, be 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 good at it, and so um, so you just have all kind of reasons for why things work and why they don't. But the most important thing is recognizing, you know, if it's going to work or not. And the quicker you can do that, the better off you're going to be. That's you yeah. know, w- w- one of the primary reasons people go bankrupt is usually because of pride, and and the second one is because uh, some people are, are so competitive that they feel like shutting something down as a loss. And, you know, I can tell you over the 13 years we've been doing this, we've shut down three or four businesses and every time it was a blessing, you know, mm-hmm. it, was, it, it was, it allowed us to strengthen our core business or now our other core businesses. And for instance, with this one, it's allow, allowing us to, because the lending business has been a massive success. And so now we're able to shift even more resources in that direction. Um, so, so partnerships are extremely difficult, but they're, to me, it's the only, there's a couple of things. One, um, you know, sometimes I'll buy and sell land by myself and, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, it's only fun when you're part of the team. Like if, yeah. and even when I do that, I've, I've done some where it's just literally smaller tracks I buy and sell. And even though I might make a great return, it can be lonely. Um, but like I'm working on a big piece of land about now, but there's a team of us working on it. And then you've got everything that we do, there's teams and teamwork's a, a big part of it. And it's not just, you know, to, to be able to say we, we built this team culture, whatever, which we have, but it just makes it more fun. If you can't enjoy the success without partners, to me, it just isn't even worth it. I mean, there's a lot of ways to make money, making money, isn't really that hard if you if you put your mind to it. It's it's having yeah. fun making money is what is what I really get excited about. Yeah. Man, well to relate to you, that's that's really the reason why True and I merged up and actually started to try to, to build a firm together. We both had successful individual practices and, and we're, you know, feeding our family and having fun doing it. But it wasn't as much fun. There was certainly those lonely days where you're like, yeah, it's pretty much just me. Right. And the team aspect has been, uh, just a, a, certainly a blessing and a gift and it's just more fun doing it that way. Uh, even the sacrifices you got to take to, to over communicate where you used to just be the sole decision maker, uh, still feels like uh, a trouble worth having. Um, I wanted to, 
to return, even circle back around partnerships, one of the things we've talked about a lot in the podcast is around the topic of culture. And we talked a ton about the founders and, and their caring about their culture that they're creating and things that they're doing there. We haven't talked a lot about the, the partnership or even the merger of cultures um, often. And, and I'm aware of, you know, one of the, there's different statistics on the, the likelihood of a merger, you know, succeeding or meeting its business case. And some say, you know, there's only, you know, 75% of them fail. Some say it's 50, 50 uh, fail in terms of meeting the business case they set out to solve, but they do identify culture a lot of times as, as the thing around that, that partnership. Um, and you kind of refer to, Hey, you got to make sure you get the cultures right for you. You know, how, how do you, how could, could you bring that into a little bit more tangible? Right. Cause I think, culture is something that, you know, how do you measure it? How do you know what yours is and what theirs is? And how do you figure out if it's on point or if it's off? Uh, what have you done in the past? Uh, even if it's gut instincts, you know, how, how have you looked to see if the, if you've got the fit or not? I can tell you this gut instincts usually a bad one on culture because you might think everything's going great. And That's you great. Get a 360, you get a 360 uh, review and realize it wasn't as great as you thought. Um, you, you, you mentioned it in your question is we measure a lot. We have software where our, our people fill out reports every week on what they're working on, what's going well, what's not going well. What are they, is there gray areas What were your wins for the week? What, what were your disappointments? And they score on a scale of one to five, having you know, to where they are that week. And that really helps us because if somebody's below a three, we contact them uh, because we know there's an issue. And so, you know, probably the main thing about culture is making sure your people are heard. You know, they just, and there's a fine line there. I was in a, a CEO group I'm in the other day, and, and the CEO was really having trouble because of, of, of acquiring another business. And um, he was afraid of the, uh, how that would look to his employees because they weren't given bonuses. And as a business owner, you know that sometimes the, these purchases are, are, are to keep the employees employed and to keep to keep going, but but optics in that situation can be bad. So you gotta be careful where, you know, there seems to be a, a trend in a lot of business, it's almost a socialist type mentality where, you know, if everybody's not happy or everybody's gotta decide how to do this or, and that just doesn't work. You, mm -hmm. You've got to, you've got to have chiefs. You got to have Indians. And so, um, you, you've got to, you've got to listen and hear your people and let them know that they're being heard. It doesn't mean you're going to always agree with them, but you've got to make sure they understand they're being heard. Um, and also you have to give them growth opportunities. You know, it, it's, it's, uh, people, good employees want to grow. And, um, in some businesses, it's, it's hard to have, uh, you know, places to move up, you know, especially in a smaller business. Sure. So that's what challenges us to, to be able to grow the business so that it creates more opportunity for those that are already with us. Um, but, you know, I think if you, if you measure where people are, you listen to them, you, you, you make sure they're being heard that, uh, you know, that's a, a good start. So if you're, as we've brought on different partners and partnerships, um, we haven't, we've always been the bigger one. So it, it, it's not like you had two equal partners coming together, which would be very difficult from a culture standpoint because um, it, it, it just would be challenging. So, yeah. um, 
we haven't had to go through that. And, um, but when we do bring on new people, it's the same thing, you know, make sure they're heard. It's not, and you listen to their ideas because typically they have, you know, a lot of good ideas and things that worked at their business or worked in their previous partnership. Um, and, and not just say, Hey, here's how we do it. And that's it. Right. You know, it, but it, it really, people just want to be heard. I mean, if you, if you give them and, and, and actually heard where you're listening, not just let, let them speak while you're checking your email or looking at your phone. Mm, I love that. And that is such a, a fine line, right? Like you can, you can lead with a heavy hand and it almost squashes innovation or engagement or feeling like you're really part of the organization and team. And then you can kind of go the other extreme where people start to think that at the end of the day, uh, if we don't all agree, then we're not moving forward, right? And, you know, I was talking to a leader about this the other day who was having this trouble that there are some big moves their organization need to make. And he was chasing key, key people around trying to get them to all to agree. And I said, listen, man, I love the spirit of that. Like, that's the right thing. Like, talk with them. And we would prefer agreement. But at the end of the day, you don't need agreement. At the end of the day, yeah. if we can't agree, you can offer them alignment, which is at the end of the day, after you've heard all the opinions, this is something Jordan talks about a lot, you still have to make the decision and then they have the offer to align with you or not, to yeah. you know, go with the decision or not. And, um, and that seemed to help him a lot. And I, it sounds like something similar that, that you guys have used. Um, I want to circle back to something real quick. You talked about the the three or four times you guys have had to shut something down. And it brought me to a time I remember hearing Dr. Henry Cloud speak. He's the guy that wrote the book Boundaries. He's, he's been kind of a, like a organizational psychologist. And he said, interestingly enough, this is why I made note of it, that often the most important and the hardest conversations he's had with CEOs is around the conversation of what he would call necessary endings. That there can be a blind spot sometimes for several different reasons, maybe out of fear or an affinity to an early product or something that something's existing beyond its usefulness. And they really have a hard time seeing that clearly and making the call to end that product line or to shut down that arm of the business. And I'm just curious for you, what maybe filters or what lessons have you learned on how to identify when something's truly not working, we gave it a go, or maybe it used to work, it's not working anymore. And now it's it's time to to shut it down, even if that may feel painful. Well, in 2008 was when we had to shut down a couple of that. That was kind of done for us. I mean, the business just wasn't there. Um, and then and then recently, like with the title company, I think those experiences in 2008, um, because when we originally started Carolina Lane Realty, we started a couple other ventures at the same time, which was a bad idea in and of itself. Um, but when we shut those down, Carolina Land Realty really took off and flourished because we were able to collectively put our energy and focus into one instead of three or four. Um, but that really prepared me for the recent shutdown. And I think the difference was, you know, it wasn't even a year into the into the partnership, but it, it allowed me to be able to quickly look down and say, okay, is the yeah, you're losing money, but that's typical in a first-year business. Right. But is the demand there? Are there things that we could change that might make the demand improve? And and there really wasn't. So um, it, it would be the same thing. I mean, you, 
it comes down to that competitive spirit. Sometimes it's always been your biggest ally. Sometimes can be your biggest enemy. That's right. Um, and making those type decisions and pride, you know, nobody likes to, to say they lost. And I, I don't look at it as a loss at all. It's just and be, being able to make decisions quickly. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that's, you know, fortunately for me, because sometimes I'll make them too quick. I've got partners who think things through. You know, the 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 older I get and the smarter I get, the re- the more I realize that I'm not as smart as I thought I was. And so, <laughs> you know, you 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 get people who look at things different ways, um, and and realize that collectively with good input, not not from hundreds of people, but from your your, your partners, or, or, you know, for different topics, it's different things. I mean, there's, you know, within each, our company, there's several different divisions, and some of those divisions, you're taking advice from the experts in that division, uh, and then in the other other divisions, you're taking advice from those. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, just just r- realizing you you've got to if you, if the if the future, you've just got to look out into the future and see, hey, is this is there going to be demand? Can we can we solve for a problem? And if we can, great. And if we can't, we can move on. Yeah. So one of the, I think it's probably the, the gift that uh, a mentor gave to me in uh, it was 2013, but it was really being able to see some of those strengths that I had and, and realize that those strengths oftentimes were the weaknesses that I was also experiencing. It was the same coin. It was just different, you know, it was heads or tails. And for me, a lot of it was some of the big picture of visioning and how that kind of impacted my detail orientedness or uh, even just how I could be spontaneous and how that might, you know, keep me from being as structured as I might need to be. Um, But I think we've seen a lot of founders with similar uh, wirings and and things, but I love that thought of, Hey, you know what, you know, never being a quitter is an incredible trait all the way up until the point where it's actually the weakness that's going to, that's going to get you killed. How about for you, any like any traits that you've seen in your own journey that you're like, man, this is really, really good, but sometimes this impacts my relationships in the business or even the business itself negatively. You mentioned one already in terms of I make decisions fast, which is actually a really good gift. Like you're not, you're not indecisive. That's, that is a strength that's probably helped you more times than it's hurt. Any other things that you'd say, yeah, this is something that is like definitely a strength and sometimes it comes back to, to bite me. Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, the ability, the ability to sell um, has always been a huge strength of mine. But sometimes you can sell the wrong idea. You know, it, it, your idea wasn't, you sold everybody on it, but it, it, was, it wasn't the right move or the, or the right thing to do. Um, and then, uh, you know, the, the, the quick decisions have been a strength and a weakness, obviously, but um, you know, and then, and then listening a lot, a lot of entrepreneurs, myself included, are, are, uh, are good at listening when they want to listen and bad at listening when they don't want to listen. And, um, and that's, that's probably a strength and a weakness. I'm curious yeah, of what, um, what makes you most come alive being a business owner? I'm sure there's things that make you come alive, family, Clemson football, things like that outside of it. But just in terms of this segment of your life, what's what's an example of just a great day when you got to do this or you got to experience this element of of, of helping run this business? So for me, it's just putting a deal together. Like, it's just always driven me, but there's nothing more exciting um, 
whether it's a new partnership, uh, a new agent we're hiring, a new company that's joining us, whatever it may be, but putting the deal together, is, it can be a little deal, it can be a big deal, but that that just gets me, it, you know, just it consumes me. Mm. I do. I, I I will say a, a, a trait that's a, a blessing and a curse is an obsessive personality. Like if I get into a deal, I just can't stop thinking about it, which can also distract you from everything else in your life. Sure. Um, so, you know, that it just, it does. And when I get into a deal, it just, it just swallows me up because I can't stop thinking about it and how to, how to make it better. Um, and how, you know, in, or analyzing different, different deals. So that's, uh, that that is you know I don't I don't have a lot of hobby. I mean, somebody asked me the other day, do you do you hunt or you know what do you do? I'm like we were standing on a piece of property uh, doing. I can't even remember where I was or where I was doing, but I said this is it. You know, meeting with new people, putting deals together. Um, I enjoy. I love to fish, but I honestly love putting a deal together more than I like reeling in a fish. Mm. And so so that kind of is my hobby. And is also my job, um, but you know nothing's like Clemson football. But second to that, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it would be putting a deal together. It is yeah. much easier in the last five or six years for that to be a fun thing outside of work than it was before. Uh, it was yeah, most, yeah, mostly a I've, source I've of pain. Seen both sides. <laughs> yeah, I've, um, I've been on both sides of that coin. That's right. Uh, yeah, same here. Not as long as you, but uh, enough where I dislike the taste in my mouth season after season before the turnaround. Um, my So the other question for me would be, you know, you don't get to the size company you have with the size success you've had uh, unless you have found a great team, right? At some point, you have to outgrow your own capacity. At some point, you're able to delegate so that you and the company can elevate. And I'm curious, what were the maybe some functions or roles that at some point you had to do, but you either didn't like them or you weren't good at them. And how did you go about finding someone who loved doing that and was good at doing that? What did that look like in that, that process where it got bigger than you? Well, it, it's funny. Uh, you know, one of my mentors was, was Tony Robbins and years ago, he, he told me, he said, you always want to be replacing yourself. So, you know, if, and, and, move, and that moves you up the ladder. And so uh, when I started the business, I wasn't in the field selling. I was just kind of running the business. And then when the recession hit, I had to go back out in the field for three or four years and sell, which I loved doing. Um, and then in 2014, I came back out of the field. And I remember for about six months, I was just kind of miserable. You know, I was just sitting there. I know what to do, and 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 I don't I don't really particularly like managing, and um and I'm not particularly great at it. I I can do a good job, I can't do a great job, um. But my best friend and and business partner from Clemson, Jason Burbage, he loves it and he's great at it. Mm. And it was one of those things that we always knew when the timing was right. He would he would come out of the field and run the business as well, and that was this year. And so it's been a real thing of beauty because he's, he's really taken the culture to a whole nother level. And, um, and he, he, he just is thriving in that role when it's allowed me to get out of the way a bit and go focus on new opportunities, which is what I love doing. Um, so it's, it's been a long time coming. It was more of an affordability thing. We always knew he was a better manager than I was, but 
we couldn't afford for both of us not to be selling and 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 on top of that paying ourselves so it was more of a timing thing but now that it's really fun now that it's it's reached that level because it, it's freed me up to be able to do some other things oh that's amazing so you said just a minute ago uh tony robbins has been an influence and even a mentor has that been by proxy in terms of just from his teachings events books or was there an actual more of a direct mentorship there well it's it both um back in i started reading and studying stuff back in 2002 and then in end of 2003 i um joined a group that he put together a small group and um we met uh, several times throughout the year in different places around the world wow um kind of kind of his inner circle group and i did that for a year a little over a year and uh, and then met a lot of people in that group that, that actually the the business model i use today stemmed from me uh working for a development company out of australia that was owned by a guy that was in that same group with me so it was a uh, it, it was it was a huge opportunity and and uh, very beneficial. Wow, yeah, I'm curious. You know, you just mentioned one, but as you look back, what were some of the other uh, maybe key takeaways or, or values that value that came out of of that experience? I mean, he's a he's a legend, right? So I'm I'm curious to know yeah. what uh, what what value you got out of it. Well, I mean, I could spend a week we can answer that question, but, you know, just, just understanding people, reading people, understanding why people do what they do. Um, cause we all do what we do for, for just a few reasons. Right. Um, and, 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 and then the power of networking and meeting people and stretching yourself, you know, I, 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 uh, was lucky to get into that group and it really, you know, I really use that to meet a lot of people and create a lot of ex experience early in life. Um, Cause you know, I think, I think most everybody uh, would be super successful. It usually comes down to the experiences you've been a part of, you know, you don't know what you don't know until you see it. And I've just been blessed at a young age that I, I was able to, to see a lot of successful entrepreneurs and, and learn from how they did it. I'm a, I'm a big fan of, uh, of, of copying other people's success instead of trying to reinvent the wheel. And, um, and so, you know, I, I feel like I had a real shortcut to success by, by watching a lot of other successful people. That's amazing. Couldn't agree more. Uh, I want to stay on that thought just for a second or on that train, just for a second. I'd love to know um, it could be current or in the past, but other uh, thought leaders or books that you feel like have particularly shaped you, helped you, um that that we could share with the audience yeah i've had you know I did, i've read so many books i mean you probably have a few in the background here but um you know good to great was was a, a real profound book for me as far as the hedgehog concept and and getting the right people on the bus and in the right seat and mm. that's an ongoing process and one that we really live by i mean we we got the right people on the bus a few years back, but they weren't all on the right seats. And if you, if you've got, you know, you can have all the, all the right seats filled and you don't have the one or two seat people in the right seat, it can, you can wreck your bus. Um, but, and I've always had uh, for, for probably, you know, 
18, 17, 18 years, I've always had some kind of business coach, um, or, or not business coach, just a life coach. Yeah. Um, I, I've invested a lot of money um, into personal development and, and that, and, and, and that's a fine edge too, because I've seen a lot of people, a lot of people who have the means to invest in that, and it, it becomes an addiction. They just, they, they learn and learn and learn, but they never do. Right. So I'll, I'll usually do it pretty heavy for two or three years, and then I'll completely get out and make sure I'm, I'm doing it. And then I'll come back and, you know, different coaches and different programs, but, um, I've had some, I've had some really, really good ones. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Obviously as Jordan and I are, are coaches and business coaches and that kind of stuff, that's, that's great to hear uh, the value for it, but you're right. Uh, we talk about that often. So one of the things we built into what we do is, is an accounting for action, right? That we're not just in constant cycles of learning and even, even outside of coaching, just with books, I see all the books behind you. I have tons myself. There was a period in my life where this, this thought came to me uh, where I had this temptation to pick up another book. And I was like, man, I already know what to do. Like this, it was like this yeah. little voice in my head. I was like, I already know what to do. But I had this like almost this justified delay for action because I needed to learn just a little bit more, you know? And I started thinking about these books that I was reading piling up almost like a wall between me and the action I was supposed to take instead of yeah. books in their best, information their best, open up like doorways where they show you the next step and you walk through them. And for me at that period, about five years ago, they were starting to actually be an excuse to just learn, go to one more conference, right? Read one more book, have one more lap around the track before I do something. And same thing, just put them all down and said, take the action I know I need to take, get to the place where you actually have new questions to ask, right? Um, so I love that. That's, yep. that's amazing. Um, Jordan, you had a question? Oh, you're on mute, buddy. We'll edit that part out. Yeah, uh, I was curious about um, just almost this uh, this client service aspect. This is a little bit off topic, not, not something we've, we've talked about, but sales has been a part of um, just relationship building has been a big deal. And, and just this thought of like, what are your keys to great customer service is kind of all, is one of my, my thoughts. And it's it's more around client service because you don't even have customer service. They're not buying necessarily the product. Like you're having a relationship you're trying to manage. And I think that's good. You know, the service-based business um, while you're, you're putting up many businesses together inside of one business, but I'll just be interested in, in terms of you have lots of years under your belt, building great relationships. Uh, just any secrets in terms of, Hey, how to treat people the right way. Um, even phrases that kind of help you make sure like, Hey guys, this is, this is our organization's culture and our perspective on how do we treat our, our clients. Um, just thought some, it might be something that you have perspective on that, that we would want to hear. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, with, with our particular business with, with land, um, you know, it's I always use the phrase, treat it like you, you own it. And, um, and, and if you represent the seller and then if you represent the buyer, you know, pretend you're the buyer i mean you put yourself in their shoes and you're just you know there's always you're always solving for us there's a so you're trying to create a solution to a problem whether you know they want to find something they have a dream they want to fill they need to sell something to create liquidity um you know whatever it may be there's always a problem and you're solving for it and then going above and beyond it's 
you know, it's one thing just to sell somebody a track of land that they want to buy, but giving them ideas on what you've seen, because we, you know, our people have seen hundreds and thousands of tracks of land, and this might only be, you know, one of the few they've been on or seen. So giving them ideas and in context, you know, then whole networking, then creating a toolbox of, of resources for these clients um, that you can reach into and pull out. And that's kind of these businesses we're at. And these are all, we always say, hey, it's another tool in your toolbox. You can reach in if you need it and use it. Um, and But that could be for anything, too. I mean, it's, you know, uh, even if you're selling, you know, obviously land's a big investment, but even if it was cars or whatever it may be, just, you know, treat people right and not not just in it for the quick sale. You know, those, those never, they're, they're, you've never heard a successful businessman say, I just all about the quick sale. Um, you know, it's all about the relationship and it makes it more fun too. I mean, yeah. you know, our, our clients, or a lot of my best friends are clients that I met yeah. that owned land. And matter of fact, one of the, uh, two of the clients I met within months of being down here in Charleston on the field helped fund a lot of our business. Hmm. Matter of fact, one of them I still borrow money from to borrow land as, as soon as three weeks ago. Yeah. Wow. And, um, and, and plays a major part in my success and, hmm. and the company's success. And, uh, and that's just from, you know, they started out as clients and just, yeah. you know, believe in what we were doing. Yeah. A lot. Well, even just these three of like, treat treat it like you own it pretend you're the buyer i given like having your contact toolbox you know giving them the contacts i think that's powerful we uh we serve a client and and they're uh high high customer service um base and they're trying to become the ritz they're essentially they're they're more of a a, a club space and they're talking about equipping all of their all of their people. Anybody who would engage with with some potential client on this or a member on our property, how do we equip them all with just the this is the place to go to eat, this is the place to get your hair cut, this is the place to you know any type of service you might need. Let's get our best recommendations just so that you had your your toolbox of of making that one contact recommendation and how much great service and goodwill that can create, uh, which is just that's oh, yeah. a, those are the little things to, to go a long way. Uh, going all the way back to like probably some things that you learned during coaching sessions or, or stuff like that. Uh, and even, a you know, more of a coaching group or, or a CEO group. One of the things we've asked a lot on this is around, you know, a practice or a habit that is something that you didn't have maybe when you started that you've, you've added that you'd encourage, you know, other entrepreneurs or founders, executives to start doing or to, to pay attention to, is there a, is there a habit that you've set up that you say, man, this, this habit is, has changed my life, whether it's a, a morning routine or a night routine or something in, in the day, any habits that you'd say, man, this is one that's a, a differentiator for me and, and one I don't want to give up. You know, I'd never give this up. This has really helped me uh, move forward. Yeah. I mean, I've always, I've always been a pretty healthy, active guy but you know that's taking care of your body um physically your diet and all that that's that's one that you know as i get older you know i can do a lot of things at 47 that other a lot of other 47 year olds can't do which which is necessary for me to do in in the job i'm in um and so you know that would be you really see the fruits of all that labor over the years when you get older you know, you, uh, you know, I've still got a lot of good years left in me, 
um, where I can physically get around and do stuff. Plus it helps your mind stay clear. Um, you know, surrounding yourself with good people. I feel like I've always done that, but I can't emphasize how important that is. Um, mm. And, and then, and I guess the other thing too, probably the habit that I developed later was just realizing that, that everybody's really good. Everybody has a skill set that they're really good at. And, and so I think when you're younger, you kind of think that you're great at everything. And um, as you get older, you realize you're not. And that, that, and then just listening, I'm still, that's one I struggle with. You know, my wife tells me it every day, but, but, um, you know, just, just listening, you know, doing a lot more, a lot less talking and a lot more listening, I think is one that I've got a ways to go, but I've probably come a long ways. Hey, well, tell your wife you hear her because at least you hear that she's <laughs> telling you that every day, right? <laughs> yeah. That's a good yeah. sign. I love it. True. Um, yes. Man, one, one thing you said just a second ago before we, we're about to jump into the lightning round, but I just thought it was really neat when you were talking about the customer experience and the value of, you know, not always pushing for the quick sale and building a relationship. There's been so much great optimization, right? And understanding a sales funnel and understanding how to sell better, Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I think the downside is we've seen some people get away from the actual building of a true, true relationship with the customer or a friend or a network that's actually a network, you know, that is actually a mutually beneficial environment. And it sounds like what you represent is what we feel as well, which is you, there's some things you don't get away from, even in an optimization. It's like, these are the tried and true rules that have to go with us as a culture. And that's one of them. It's like, man, are we doing honest business? Or I have something to help you to solve a need. And do I actually see you as a person? You know, do I truly value you? Or is everything gimmicks? Is everything just yeah. trying yeah. to get the profit, trying to get the sale? Uh, so I thought that was neat that you mentioned that because that's, that's near and dear to our heart as well. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. All right, Jason, let's hit this lightning round, sir. I got five questions for you. And uh, question number one, if you could ingrain one message into your organization, what would it be? Uh, one message, uh, you know, to, to probably just to be sure to take care of the client, you know, to, to really, to really make sure you're, you're, you're treating. And sometimes, you know, you always think the client's the buyer or seller, like in our business, but sometimes it's your coworker or your, your, you know, those around you, you're, you're, you're providing a solution for them so they can do their job. Um, and just mm. always paying close attention to that. Yeah, I love that additional perspective. It's really good. Uh, question number two, single best advice you've received about growing your business and the worst advice you've received about growing your business? Single best advice. Um, the single best advice would be just surrounding yourself with good people. Yeah. You know, that especially, you, you know, your partners, your employees, and, and taking care of them. You know, the, I'm just seeing where greed and 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 pride can just destroy a business. It probably uh, one of my mentors, a guy named Dan Bruce, when uh, he got me into the land business in Greenville, and I'll never forget. He told me, "Guys, you'll see more people go broke over over uh, just over their arrogance and confidence and pride wow. than anything else." You know, just. Just you know, making bad decisions, throwing good money after bad. 
Man, um, that is uh, good and sad all at the same time. Uh, question number three, if you could go back, uh, go back in the future, you're going to hop in the DeLorean here. You're going to go back to, to the past, tell yourself one thing from the, the driver's side window. Uh, when would you go back and, and what would you tell yourself? You know, I, I, I skimmed these questions just a little bit. That was really the only one that I remembered. I was looking at them on the airplane real quick. Yeah. And I really put a lot of thought on that. And I, you know, I don't really have uh, a one, you know, one would be again to listen. Um, but I don't think I, I don't think I would have done anything. I've gone back and forth, especially here recently. Yeah. Um, we've never had any debt. So when we started the business, we, we had shoestring budget for pretty much forever. And we're just now last few years, gotten enough capital to really, put into it and we have a competitor who's who did the opposite and they're and they're much bigger than we are now but now we're catching up um and so i do question that was the one thing i questioned but i don't you know yeah. i think i could have gone to raise money back then because we didn't have anything really sell but um now that i'm older i, I question that instead of trying to own it all and hang on to it you know taking a smaller piece of the pie in the early stages to make it bigger quicker so that you, you might not have as much ownership later on, but it's a much bigger pie. And and I, I haven't, I I can't come to a conclusion. So that is a question I cannot answer. Yes. That's it. We're not (laughs) sure yet. That's it. But you're, you're you're deciding if you need to set the date. I'm still working on it. (laughs) (laughs) Just need a working flux capacitor and and make the decision when you need to. Uh, Perfect. Uh, question number four, uh, what causes you the most worry when leading your organization? Just making sure that, you know, you got a lot of people, a lot of families that are dependent on the business to, to be able to support their, them and their families. And, you know, you're, you're constantly back your mind because we're, we're always pushing the envelope. From a, we've never taken a profit distribution out of the company, um, except to pay taxes. and so. We're, we're, our foot's been on the gas for 13 years and, um, and that's caused a lot of stress and a lot of close calls, you'd say. Um, now that we've gotten to the size we are, we've got a little bit more breathing room, but it's, uh, it does create some sleepless nights, you know, and, and I think the older you get, a little bit more conservative you get. Um, but it's still in my DNA to hit the gas. So I, luckily I have a lot more people around me now to probably protect me from myself. Yeah. Man, bet, it all, bet it all on black personality. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, last question. You'll, you'll be familiar with the, the BHAG language with our uh, Jim Collins affinity. Uh, yeah. What's your current BHAG? What's your, what's your big, hairy, audacious goal uh, for you personally and the company? I'd like to get both of those uh, if they happen to be separate. Um, they're not in, 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 in the, in the, it, at a hundred thousand feet, it's the same, but as it gets more granular, it's separate, a little bit different. But I mean, our 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 our, our BHAG is our vision, which is to become the land industry. To when somebody thinks about land, it's it's just like I mentioned with Google, um, and and that now to get there, there's a lot of different. Can't just be a brokerage firm. That's what started it. But like right now, I'm focusing on the investment fund side of it, and 
land services side or the mineral rights and but but somebody's got to keep the the base going and grow and going and growing you know and i do help with the recruiting on that and you know our our marketing uh you know we're, we're really excited i've I'm, I'm pretty much owed for a lifetime in hiring good marketing firms. I have, I have never hired one, and I've hired a lot of them. But I'm very optimistic now that we, we feel like we have a good one uh, yeah. to work with our marketing team. And I said just yesterday, I said, I'm pretty optimistic because I didn't have anything to do with hiring this group, so they should probably yeah. succeed. <laughs> um, I got a chance. But there's just all kind of components to make this this BHAG possible. Um but but yeah, it's, it's it's been there for a long time. Yes, man. Um, and so for you, that's still tied to even your personal of just being able to accomplish that to become the land industry. Well, from a business side, I mean, you, you, on the personal side, it's being a good father and yeah. husband. Um, but from from the business in the business arena, yeah, awesome. There's a lot of that's, this. That is the one thing that allows me to just do what I love as an entrepreneur without creating too much harm. And that, because yeah. a lot of times if, if, if this was a very one dimensional business, I would have already checked out and it would just be an investment and I would yep. be over here starting other, other things. Yeah. I'm able to start new businesses constantly within the same arena that yeah. have to do with that feed off of the same business. So, um, and that's important because sometimes I, you know, I'll just lose interest. Like it doesn't yeah. matter how profitable it is. It doesn't matter how great, great it's going. It, same thing when I was at Ipta, you know, when I worked at Clemson, you couldn't have told me that I would have ever left that job. Yeah. But in year four, I got the Ipta Collegiate Club. Where it was almost half the student body and it was very organized. It was kind of running itself. I got totally bored and left. Yep. Had to move on. Man. I got to tell you, man. Listening to your aspirations and your BHAGs and what you've already done, yeah, you remind me of a of a under the radar Rockefeller in the making. Uh, I've listened to his his biography, and he had the same kind of mindset. You guys are different in a lot of ways, especially in character, I would say. <laughs> but he had that same kind of systems and chess piece thinking. Like, okay, we may have this, but like, what if we also own the factory? Oh, what if we also own the railroad, right? And he just had this beautiful yeah. way of being two steps ahead uh, of the competitors. And I see the same in you. And now the other thing, I've been waiting for you to mention marketing this entire time for one reason, my friend. And that's because on your website, when I was researching your home office, you have a marketing director whose name is Lefty Arnold. And I just think that's the best name I've ever heard of. And I just want well, to know. Is that not her real name? It's Lefty. It's Lefty. No oh no! Yeah. <laughs> oh, I which thought is it was a cool, Which is still a cool name. Nice. As, as that it's one's actually cool. is cool. <laughs> lefty is yeah. a different kind of cool. <laughs> I was, yeah, 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 yeah. I just wanted to know the person yeah. and the parents that named somebody Lefty, uh, named their daughter Lefty, and I wanted to know like what was the inspiration. I was waiting for that moment, and now I'm disappointed. It's Letty. Yeah. It's still a cool. Well, name. I am glad. I, you know, everything happens for a reason. So I'm glad you brought that up because that's an interesting story and I'll make it short, but go for it. Letty, we hired Letty probably three years ago, very young. Um, she uh, did a great job for us and then was hired away by a company in January um, to take on a bigger role that we didn't have. 
you know, that was an open position for us. And then recently that position became open and she came back mm. to work for us. So I always get really excited. This has happened two or three times this year. We have very little turnover, but what makes me really excited is when somebody leaves and comes back. Yeah. And, and we've been able to experience that uh, both at, at, at corporate and a W-2 employee capacity. And one of our, our brokers came back. There are actually two of our brokers came back this year that had left over the last wow. three or four years, five years. That is Man, cool. That is really cool. It speaks volumes to your culture and the company you're building when, when someone comes back like that, for sure. Uh, well, thank you so much, Jason, for taking time out of your busy schedule. I literally know you were on a plane today and had, we already had to reschedule and you made time again for us. Uh, so thank you for that. It's exciting for us. I feel like we pulled Rockefeller out of, out of Clemson, South Carolina, out, from under the radar. And uh, we can say we knew him first and uh, <laughs> just really excited about what you guys are building. And um, man, it's fun to see you build an empire while Dabo's building one for us here in Clemson, South Carolina. So, <laughs> well, Jason, yeah, I agree with that. And, and yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been a, been absolutely. a fun conversation. Awesome. You, well, take care, buddy. All right. You too. Founders, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.